This is a LifeGate Church podcast. Tune in to hear from our team as we encourage you to discover the freedom and purpose that Jesus offers. If you want to find out more about who we are, visit lifegate.org.au. He's part of our Preston's campus. He, he's a service leader over there. And he's, he's, he's a real blessing. Praise God for you, Dave Hodges. Um, he has the coolest job in the world. Dave, to tell us... Um, Tell us um, the uh, name of, you're not that tall, sorry. <laughs> tell us the, uh, we're, we're, also, we're also matching, Ma- matching clothes. Um, Dave, tell us, the, um, tell us your, your occupation. I am a radiation oncology medical physicist. Isn't that the coolest thing ever? Like, that's the coolest thing ever. Dave, are you going to talk about yourself? Um, you should do that. I wasn't All right, I'll, I'll talk about you. So he's married to Donna White's daughter, Emma. Jess's older sister, um, and she's, she's incredible and wonderful. And Dave's been journeying with me for lots and lots of years. Um, he's, he's trustworthy, he's reliable, he's a man of the word, he's level-headed, someone I can trust, and it's a real privilege to have you on team with us, brother. And thank you for sharing today. No worries. Here's a bit of fun for you this morning. I just got a message of, uh, from Stephen de Montfort. I assume many of you guys know him. He said to me, the alarm went off and the police arrived, so I drove off in my Stang and had a highway chase. They finally caught me, so I don't think I'll make it to church today. (laughs) Okay. Thanks. All right. It is a new year. And a new year means a new beginning, and for some people that means a new sense of humor, apparently. Um, It is a fresh start. People are filled with optimism at this time of year. People dream of what they could achieve. We look forward to what could be this year. And then we set overly ambitious goals and we call them New Year's resolutions because we think that that will actually make it a little bit more achievable for us. Can I have a show of hands? Who has made a New Year's resolution? Anyone? Okay, yeah, a few people. And of those people, how many of you think that you will have given up on those two weeks from now? Show of hands? Already given up. All right, good. We... We have some honest people here this morning. That's good. It's good. All right. But I wonder what your dreams and plans for 2020 are. Take a minute, turn to your neighbor, and very quickly discuss what are your dreams and plans for 2020. All right. What have you got? Hopefully there are some big dreams there. For Emma and I, this year, is a, it's a bit of a blank canvas at the moment. We haven't locked in a lot of plans. Um, but the one thing that we have locked in so far is going to New Zealand again. Uh, now that we have family living in Christchurch, um, it's a very good excuse to hop over there whenever we can. Um, this is one of the photos I took from last time um, we were over there. We sort of hiked up this hill and turned around, and there was just this ridiculous view because New Zealand is full of lakes and nature. Um, correct just out of Queenstown. And um, so that is something that we are really excited about. Um, We're likely going to do a bit of exploring um, and generally just going to to see the sites because that's what we love to do over there. As you can see, there are some incredible views. Incredible views. We'll we'll hit the road, see where we end up at some point, and as I said, just take in the phenomenal views. Ain't ain't, Ain't that just incredible? But on a slightly more serious note, I wonder how many of you in your goals and plans and dreams for 2020 mentioned God? How many of you said something along the lines of, 
I've got to be at church more regularly, or I've got to be more committed to my quiet times, or I'm going to pray more. I wonder if that rated on anyone's list of goals for this year. See, I figure that if we're going to start 2020 well, then God needs to be right at the center of it. Because he's, he's just worth so much. He is just so great. And sometimes it is helpful to be reminded of just how great God's greatness is. So with that in mind, this morning, I want to start by talking through three truths about God, which very much relate to us as a bit of a, I guess, a, a reflection. And so what we're going to do this morning is we're going to dive into a passage in Romans 8. Uh, this passage has really stood out to me for a long time, and when I was looking for, for texts for this week, God just kept bringing me back to this, and it really jumped out at me. So we're going to be working through from Romans 8.28 to the end of the chapter, and the words will be up on the screen. And it reads, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Now, we could just stop right there and and just dwell on that verse alone. There is so much in that, that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God. If you love God this morning, if you've accepted what Jesus has done for you, you can count yourself amongst those people. That God causes everything to work together for good. And we could just hold on to that promise and just meditate on that and run with that. And that wasn't even where I was going this morning. That's just the start of the passage. But that in itself is such an incredible promise that we could use to launch ourselves into 2020. But if we read on, for God knew his people in advance. That's us. When it, when it says his people, that's talking about us. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. That's family. And having chosen them, that's us, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. Friends, this morning the first truth is that God has chosen you to be part of his family. He has chosen you. He's chosen you personally. He didn't just go and grab a whole random group of people who happened to be in an area when he picked a location, but he's thought of you and he's chosen you personally to be part of his family. It talks about us being brothers and sisters in Christ. That is a phenomenal privilege that we have done nothing to earn. And he's chosen, he's called us, He's given us right standing. So, again, it's nothing we've earned, but God looks past our mistakes. God, you know, if we've accepted what Jesus has done for us, God looks past our mistakes. He looks past our past, and he says, you're okay by me. We have right standing with God. That The God who created the world, who is so massive, who put the very stars in place, and we have right standing with him. That is a phenomenal, phenomenal thing. And dare I say, not only has God chosen you personally, but God likes you. Nathan, God likes you. Sarah, God likes you. And if I can take it one step further, God is glad that he created you, Mark. God is glad that he created you, Sam. 
God wants you to be part of his family. He is happy that you are part of his family. That is a phenomenal thing that we have been invited into. If we keep reading from verse 31, we see, this is Paul writing, What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? Wonderful things indeed. If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us, won't he give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Friends, the second truth is that God is on your side. God has done an incredible thing to make a way for us to be right with him. And as we read that God is for us, who can possibly be against us? God is for us and not against us. And we also read that Jesus is for us, that Jesus is not just for us, but he's sitting next to the Father in the place of honor, interceding for us. Again, that is such a phenomenal privilege that God the Creator cares about us that much, that has made a way for us to have this phenomenal relationship with Him. Friends, God is on our side. And the third thing we see from the passage is in this last bit as we read to the end of the chapter. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean He no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute, or in danger, or threatened with death. Paul, Paul's very clear that just by having this relationship, it doesn't make our life magically perfect. It doesn't mean that life suddenly becomes a cakewalk, that you know everything is just suddenly easy. There are still realities to living on this earth. But, he says, no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loves us. What does that mean for you this morning? that in whatever situation that you find yourself, you can turn to God who has given us the victory. That, and the ultimate victory, that death has been conquered, sin has been conquered for good. You know, in spite of any circumstance, even if life is difficult and things aren't working out here, we still have the ultimate security that death has been dealt with and we have a secure place in heaven and nothing can take that from us. As he goes on to say, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Friends, those have no power over you. Your fears, your worries, we can hand them over to God. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Friends, the third truth for you this morning is that nothing can separate you from the love of God. That is such, like, I can't wrap my head around that. I can't come up with enough words to describe to you in another way that truth. There is something that God needs to do in us to make this real. There is something that he needs to do that kind of lets us, our minds go to another level where we can kind of grasp this because it is so large this promise what this means for us 
but it is good that we take time to reflect on this. It is good that we take time to, to dwell on this, to think about it, to thank God for it. Do you realize just how loved you are this morning? But Jesus' sacrifice on the cross has made a way for this to be your reality. And so the question that begs then this morning is what is your response to this? What does this do in you? What does this stir in you? What thoughts do you have? How do you feel? What is your response to being told such incredible truths? See, when you're faced with this phenomenal reality, I think there is only one real appropriate response, and that is to honor him. There is no better way to start the new year than by acknowledging God as Lord and putting him in his rightful place by honoring him for all that he has done. He who is so worthy of our praise and our honor So how do we do that? What does honor look like? Well, we honor him by praising him. We've done that this morning. We honor him by being thankful and just pouring out our thanks to him in in prayer and in praise and in living a life for him. Friends, if you want to start 2020 well, here is your roadmap. Start here. As we have this morning with some incredible praise of declaring his promises, declaring his goodness. And then that naturally flows into thanks. If you can acknowledge who God is and if you can acknowledge his greatness, then it just naturally leads to thanking him for being that and for, for not just being that, but being that and actually making a way for us who are so small in context of his creation to know him personally to bridge what seems to be a ridiculous gap and say, hey, I, like, yeah, I, I made stuff which is billions and billions and billions of times larger than you, but I still care about you. For God to have done that is phenomenal. And we could just give thanks endlessly in response. And thirdly, then to let that motivate us to live a life for him. Friends, how are you going to live this year? What are you going to do? For the last number of weeks now, we've been hearing story after story of the bushfires right around the state and, in fact, the country. Tragic as it is, I love this photo, and it's a little bit hard to see, but there is a tiny little koala standing next to that firefighter staring into the blaze, which is both beautiful and tragic at the same time. It's hard to overstate the devastation that has been witnessed. And amidst the destruction that the fires have been wreaking and the constant threat to wildlife as well as country towns and cities, there is an amazing body of people, the RFS, fighting day and night to protect us, paid people and volunteers alike, around the clock, fighting to defend people's lives, fighting to defend their homes. It is quite a remarkable thing to think about what these people are doing and what these people are giving up to be those people for us. 
And what we've seen more recently is society responding to this. Back at the end of last year, we heard of Christmas carols events which cancelled their fireworks and donated the money to the RFS. My workplace cancelled their Kris Kringle event because they figured people don't really need more gifts and they just collected donations and again, passed that on to the RFS. And then particularly in the last week or so, we've started seeing some bigger things in the media. So, for example, uh, Chris Lynn from the Big Bash pledged to donate $250 per every six he hits for the whole tournament. Nick Kyrgios pledged to uh, give $200 for every ace he serves across every tournament he plays in across the summer. We have musicians giving large sums of money. We have comedians appealing to their large fan base to support causes like Red Cross. There has been this groundswell of response as people reflect on the tragedy and also the sacrifice of these incredible people. It, is, it has been quite remarkable to watch. And of course, we see these sort of things happen in the face of natural disasters and that sort of thing. But I felt like it went to another level this time. A couple of days ago, I was watching um, the start of the Sydney cricket match between the Sydney test between uh, the Kiwis and the Aussies um, held at the SCG. And before the match started, they had all the players out in the field and they're about to sing the national anthem and they, and they do this every match. But then they did something different this year. And before they did any of that, they invited a member of the RFS from the Karingai branch, um, who's one of their senior firefighters. They invited him out on the field. And they said, before we do anything, we're just going to give applause for the RFS for a whole minute. No commentary? Nothing. The MC just invited the entire stadium of however many people the SCG holds, tens and tens of thousands, and they just said, we're all just going to applause, if you will. And the whole stadium stood up and applauded for a minute. And the commentators didn't say anything, they just let it roll on. And I thought to myself, I don't think I've ever seen such a public act of honour before. Not that I can think of. Not on this level. A celebrity wouldn't get that response necessarily. Even, even if Steve Smith, if he hadn't been caught you know, with the whole scandal and hit a double century, he might get something toward that response. But not for just walking in the stadium. If the royal family turned up because the ashes were on, they would not get that response. But it occurred to me that our natural response our natural response when we see something that is truly sacrificial is to give honor. That, I think, is why the Anzac tradition, for example, is held so strongly in Australia. This idea of mateship, that, that a man would die to save his mate, which is inherently a biblical concept. The attitude of sacrifice, it's held highly in this country. And this is a... I think this is a a reflection of that. But I think there is another reason why there has been so much outpouring of honor for these people. See, this event, as I said, has been going on for a prolonged period of time now. These fires and our response, the RFS response. It's been going on for weeks, and it's captured our attention. It's captured the country's attention 
day after day, our attention has been directed towards the news and the social media, which is bringing us the very latest. Day after day, we wake up to hear stories of loss and stories of heroism. And because so much of our time and our attention is focused on this, people have responded. It's allowed it to sink deep. People have responded. We respond to that which has our attention. Or put another way, that which gets our attention gets our response. Friends, this year, God wants your attention. This year, as every other year. And if the RFS is deserving of our honor for their sacrifices, how much more is God deserving of our attention and honor given the sacrifice of his very own son who knew no sin, who did nothing wrong, but yet became this sacrifice so that we could be included in God's family? Friends, God wants our attention and he wants our honor. So how are you going to give God your attention in 2020? How are you going to make sure that your focus stays on him? As I said, this is a great place to start. Praise him. And not just on a Sunday. This is, this is perfect here. Absolutely. But God wants, wants I guess, to, to meet with us more regularly when it comes down to it. He's our father. What kind of father only checks in? What kind of good father, I should say, that God is, would, would only want the occasional check-in? No, he loves us. He wants to be talking to us all the time. He wants us to be meeting with him all the time. And when you spend more time in that, and you really reflect on that, it's so hard not to give thanks, not to want to give thanks for all that he has done. So how are you going to give God your attention in 2020? As a tie-up, I'll invite the band up. Last week, Mark spoke to us. Um, he shared this message at both campuses. And you might remember a challenge he put to us, and he called it four for four. And it stood for this. The challenge was spend at least four minutes reading the Bible and praying meeting with God at least four times a week. Four for four, as a starting point. And if you can do more, go for more. If you're already doing more, awesome, well done, keep pushing on with that. But for people who, challenge, people who are challenged to hold a regular quiet time, who challenge to pray regularly, which is many of us, I've heard it so often, um, you know, and that's okay, it's good to be real about our struggles. Our life is so busy. Our lives are so full of stuff. Sometimes we need to stand back and take, take some time to reprioritize. And this is a great place to start. So if, if you struggle with that and if you're not regularly making time for God, make it bite-sized. That's okay. Four minutes. Anyone can do that. Start small, start achievable. Build it up from there. It's not a large commitment, but it is a God-honoring commitment. 
So I, I really encourage you to right now make a decision. What are you going to change tomorrow, over the next week? What are you going to work on over the next month? How are you going to give your time to honor God? And let's make this the most honoring year for God that you have lived yet. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us on the LifeGate Church podcast. Our church is a place to discover the freedom and purpose that Jesus offers. 